0: And things are going good. We're going through our eccentric phase. And we're one week into the eccentric phase, and I start to think about something I did back. Well, I learned back at Duke, which is oscillating. And I call up, I so started I get the idea to interchange out that isometric phase into the oscillating phase. And my mind was like, I think it should work. It should make sense. Like, you're still getting that time and attention. And I know that's a a big key component of that isometric phase is having that time and attention. Um, But instead of just sitting there, because you never really sit there and track, why not? Why not oscillate and try to use those, use that weight and that time that you're down there to be active and moving and building some spring.
1: That was UC Davis strength and conditioning coach, Sheldon Dunlap, speaking on the beginnings of his integration of oscillatory reps into the isometric phase of triphasic training. You're listening to the Just Fly Performance Podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by Simply Faster. Simply Faster is an online athletic performance technology shop distributing items such as the Freelap Timing System, Gym Aware, K-Box, 1080 Sprint, and the Speedmat. I've gotten many of these items from Simply Faster and can confidently say that they make today's best training technology available to everybody. The Freelap Timing System has revolutionized both my practices and my athlete assessments, allowing me to look at the 10 meter fly capability of dozens of athletes in a matter of seconds. It is wireless, compact, portable, and incredibly versatile. The KBOX and 1080 Sprint are fantastic tools for any coach looking to build speed, agility, and implement training scenarios that go beyond the traditional weight room. The 1080 Sprint is being used by great coaches training some of the fastest sprinters in the world, and it truly represents high-performance speed training. I can personally attest that Simply Faster's customer service is second to none. Christopher at Simply Faster responds quickly to queries, and anyone who makes a purchase from Simply Faster is in good hands. If you want to acquire some of the best high-tech training equipment available, stop by simplyfaster.com. That's simply with an I, faster.com. They are the future of coaching technology. Welcome to episode 131 of the Just Like Performance Podcast. Thanks for being here today, and I am your host, Joel Smith. We are back for another awesome, rockin' episode. And we have on board Sheldon Dunlap. Uh, so one thing I'll, I'll I'll say this right off the bat, and you know I go through like the the views and and listens to all the episodes that I do on the show, and uh, without uh, exception, it's always like the biggest names that have the most views. Um, and I find that, and granted, those are all great shows, but I always enjoy kind of finding like coaches that people uh, are not as aware of, people who aren't that. Uh, active on social media or writing those types of things who really have something awesome to offer Sheldon Dunlap is the epitome of that. Um, So a little bit of background I met Sheldon at uh, I was speaking at a seminar that Ramsey Nijem of the Sacramento Kings put on uh, I think it was like last March or something like that and just so happened at the table I sat at while I was listening to some presentations uh, Sheldon was sitting at the table and he was telling me a little bit about how he he was working with um, track and field uh, as a strength coach at UC Davis and how they were getting these great results they were have like a, a blue and gold meet and and well, just even throughout the whole year he was getting these great results and and I was like okay you know, cool like I, I mean to me you know there's always that initial layer of skepticism you just met somebody you know right and but as he started to talk a little bit more about his programming and his system I was like you know what It is no accident that him and I are sitting together at this table at this seminar. Uh, What Sheldon has done, how he's taken um, Caldeetz's triphasic training system and what he's done with that by creatively putting oscillatory reps into the isometric phase is just amazing. Honestly, I stole that. I stole that method from him and been seeing some really cool stuff in terms of the results uh, of my own athletes. And so You recently just heard Caldeetz talking about the oscillatory reps how they're not necessarily just for peaking. And so Sheldon is going to give us a little bit of insight into how he has taken that put it into his training system, and how he runs with it throughout uh, creating a strength and conditioning program for a track and field season. Um, Just a little bit more background on uh, Sheldon Dunlap as well. He's been a strength coach at UC Davis for three years, um, and one of his primary sporting assignments is track and field, uh, amongst other sports. And prior to UC Davis, he was at the NBA D-League for a little bit, and he spent a lot of time interning at Duke University. So it's always my goal on this show to just get creative coaches on, coaches who... You know, I think it's just so popular just to, it's easy, right, to just look at Instagram and read articles and just kind of take exercises, but you'll see throughout uh, listening to this episode that Sheldon really had to create. He didn't have all the information available to him. I think he, you know, he, he had to really create what he did, and he got awesome results with it, and, and I have as well. This is a nuts and bolts episode. This is one you're going to be able to listen to and implement right away, and you're going to see the results. This is free training information. And Sheldon is doing awesome things. He's gonna so today on the show he's gonna give a little bit of his background. He's gonna talk about triphasic training and what he's done with that. Uh, And by the way, too, uh, props to Cal Dietz with Triphasic Training. This a great training book. That thing is gonna be a standard for so long. And the Cal is such a cool and humble guy, too. He talks about people who took triphasic training and did something really cool with it. And he's like, oh, you did that better than I did. I mean, and, and a better program, obviously, is all in context of who your athletes are and what your goals are and those types of things. I think that the triphasic is just such a flexible, simple, but yet flexible and profound uh, framework. Just, I mean, much respect to Cal, you know, just not only a pioneer of the field, but also humble enough to, basically not like try to hang on to a system rigidly to let other people run with it and so sheldon's taken something that, that cal's done and has just done something special so he's going to talk about that he's going to talk about elasticity developing elasticity there's this like frictional or muscular and elastic balance uh in things uh he's also going to talk about uh, hip flexor training specifically tfl training tfl pops which is really cool and I mean, I, it's, I, I actually, by saying it's really cool, you almost get the sense like I'm almost skipping over it. No, that's legit what he's doing there. Definitely listen to this till the end. And also he's going to go into a little bit on um, foot training and skateboarding, believe it or not. And yes, there is a really significant link there. So anyways, uh, awesome show with Sheldon Dunlap. I know you guys are going to love this one. So let's get into episode 131. Yeah, man. Hey, t- yeah, two and a half years this is a long time to be an intern. I wonder what the record yeah. is like for strengthening. You know, I mean, we talk about like the intern carousel, right? It's like hard to yeah. kind of get that foot in the door. But that's got to be up there. I'm sure. I'm sure there's people who've been gone longer, but uh, <laughs> probably learned yeah, an awful we, lot though.
0: We actually just had our intern um, like leave to go. He went back home, and I, there were definitely times while I was an intern that I was like, I should just go home. Like, this is rough. But uh, my mentor Carl Christensen was like, "It's a lot better to, for someone to get a phone call, and hey, this is Sheldon Dunlap calling from Duke University, versus this is Sheldon Dunlap calling from Statesville, North Carolina." So I was like, "It makes sense." So I ended up just staying at Duke instead. I didn't, I never really branched out to try to go to other universities. Which hindsight and looking back, I should have, um, especially being in North Carolina and all the different schools that are in that area, like. UNC was right down the road. I could've tried to be an intern there. But, I mean, I loved it. Duke was awesome. And to be an intern there, like after my first summer, I got certified with my CSCS. And from that point, I wasn't really an intern. Like I like kind of like graduated to like a volunteer strength coach and I got more duties, more responsibilities. Um, and it was cool. So that, and that fall, after um, I got after I got my certification, uh, my mentor Carl Christensen comes to me. Uh, he also, at that time I was working heavily with a lacrosse team, and he comes to me is he's like, "Well, I talked to Coach Janowski. We're gonna give you the goalies. You're gonna modify their strength program. Um, if they if they fail, it's on you. If they succeed, it's on you. So don't mess it up." And I was like, "All right, well, here we go." So I just took everything that I could do and ended up coming up with a really successful goalie program um and i didn't mess it up so and then that's just kind of opened the door for me to have more responsibilities so there was a really great time like i don't think anyone could have had a better internship time than what i had at duke it was awesome
1: yeah and i think too like i don't know i mean i guess we always look back i mean for me personally i i look back on my whole early 20s to be honest i I wish i would have worked in more places, reached out to more people and all that. Mm-hmm. I don't know, somehow, somehow I landed where I did. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm sure it sounds like you had just a lot of awesome experience. And then experience as well that translated a little bit into your program and system now. And so what really piqued my interest about about just talking with you was you were mentioning some of the results that, that the track and field athletes that you were working with were achieving, uh, like like um, horizontal jumpers needing to push back their approaches uh, because their stride lengths were longer, mm-hmm. and and you know, I mean, people look at the weight room in different ways. You know, I mean, to some people that the transfer is limited. To some people, you can find it, um, and and I think it's also different for every athlete too, a little bit. But uh, I'd love to hear about how what are you are doing with uh, your track program from a strength and conditioning perspective, and then specifically how you've modified a little bit with the triphasic training program for those purposes.
0: Um, so like taking a step and looking at my my track program um I guess when i when I first got to uh u c Davis, it was my first time actually having like actual teams and track and track was one of those teams um and I had all these really cool ideas that I took with me from from being at Duke and working with uh, one of my another one of my mentors there and I just kind of jumped into those things off the gate and then without really understanding what I needed to do. Um, and so after about a week, actually right before we even started strength training that first year here, um, my head coach went down with a heart attack and I was like, oh, I haven't even had a chance to sit down and talk to him and figure out what I need to do. I guess I'm just gonna have to wing it and hope, hope for the best. Um, and that's what I ended up doing. I mean, that first, the first little bit was a little rocky. Um, I had to really go over technique and teaching them how to do our Olympic lifts the way that I wanted to do it. But after that, I was just like recognizing where they were coming from and where most kids are coming into the track program. They just need basic brute strength when they first get there. Cause there are a lot of them are just weak. Um, and so I started looking up a lot of different kinds of ways and how to build that strength for them, especially um, the lower body strength and to develop power. And the first thing I came across was actually 5-3-1. Um, and so we did 5 three, one and some variations of that. Um, and then I came I got, then I came back across triphasic. Um, and I'd already, I've known about triphasic, I just re- didn't really dive into it kind of like kind of like I wanted to um, so that first year was a little bit like we had a lot of great success that first year um, and then we moved to my second year and I'm like all right I've kind of been this I'm kind of getting to the flow of it I have the I have them my my athletes and we're gonna be able to get into a little bit more uh, of something soon I have a better chance to plan this out and so uh, while I was at Davis building into my track program I um, there is a professor on campus, Dr. Barr, and he's really tied in with our athletic department. And so I went and I sat in on some of his classes, and he talked about um, building tendon elasticity. And so he ends up coming to he we get into a uh, one of the lectures, and he starts to tell me how like building tendon elasticity is kind of. Um, the quicker and the greater force that you can apply to a tendon, the better it responds to the elasticity and where you're able to build that more spring. Um, and so what kind of got me thinking, I was like, all right, well I think that's something that I could like, I could definitely use. Like, 10 elasticity is essentially the name of the game of track and field. Um, and so being able to transmit all that force that we're building. Um, and so that second year comes around I'm using triphasic, and things are going good. We're going through our eccentric phase. And we're one week into the eccentric phase, and I start to think about something I did back, well, I learned back at Duke, which is oscillating. And I call up, I get the idea to interchange out that isometric phase into the oscillating phase. And... And my mind, was like I think it should work. It should make sense. Like you're still getting that time and attention, and I know that's a a big key component of that. Isometric phase is having that time and attention, um, but instead of just sitting there, because you never really sit there and track, why not, why not oscillate and try to use those, use that weight and that time that you're down there to be active and moving and building some spring. Uh, so I call uh, one of my coaches back at Duke, who showed me oscillating. He, he called them Aussie squats. I had no idea what it was when I was at Duke. And I'm like, hey, Hauser, like, if I put because any Hauser like really knows, like he, at least from what I understand, he, he knows Cal he knows Cal Deets pretty well. He um had a lot of conversations with him. And um and so he was the first person to actually introduced me to Triphasic. And so I call Hauser, Jeff Hauser, and I'm like does this make sense for me to interchange that isometric phase for uh, an oscillating phase? And he just sits there for a second. I'm like, you all right? Is everything cool? He's like, I think you're to something there, Sheldon, because um, it makes a whole lot of sense. Like for Cal Dietz working with hockey players where they switch side to side and sit and hold their position isometrically, For a track athlete, that doesn't make sense to sit there and hold it because the only time you're really holding any position is if you're, like, in a box or something like that. Um, And so I ended up switching it, switching out that oscillating – I mean, switching out the isometric phase for the oscillating phase, and it's been a staple in my program since then. Like, Like, it's really made the development of these athletes really pop, I guess I'd say. No pun intended, I guess.
1: Yeah, no, that's, I like, I'm all for punts. <laughs> punts are good. <laughs> and, and what were some of the results that you, I mean, I, I just remember like the long jump thing, but you, your track team got some pretty good results too. And obviously, it's always an interplay between the coaches and the strength staff too, mm-hmm. right? But like clearly, what you were doing was certainly uh, at the least doing no harm and at the most probably helping quite a bit. So could you um, share a little bit about the track results that kind of came yeah, out with so,
0: that? Yeah. Um, um, so, so I talked to, so I'd get feedback from my track coach, Coach Ron Sheffield. And he's like, I don't know what you're doing in the weight room, but keep doing it. And so uh, we, had the, we had our blue and gold meet that year, and there were people getting PRs left and right, left and right, and I was like, all right, I think I'm, I'm doing something pretty good here. Um, as we get a little bit further into the year, like people are having to change their blocks because they're coming, like for our 400 hurdlers, they're having to change their blocks because they're getting so much power out of the block that they're getting their they're getting to the hurdle and they're not on the right they're not on, they're not where they, they normally are because it's slightly changed. Um, that was one instance. Uh, like you mentioned a second ago, a couple of my long jumpers had to change their approach or change their where they started their their approach from because those first two steps if they do it with their normal amount of effort or their normal percentage of effort, and they're just covering so much more ground, like if they're normal, if their first two steps are normally like 75%, they're now covering with that 75% a lot more distance. So they had to change up their, where they started their approach. Um, Coach tells me about another one of our athletes, um, is running a, is running her race and taking her like her 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 number her number of steps she's taking has dropped down like she had a like she went from running a race in so many steps and now she's two steps less that she's running that race because she's covering that much more ground, um, and I was like, oh, all right, it's it's doing what it's supposed to do like we're getting these results and now we're, people are running times. Uh, faster than they ran them we're getting jumpers that are jumping higher um and it's really it's really crazy to see it was crazy to see like all those results so like all right i got i got them here
1: yeah i I love that man and it's like i think that any any strength coach who's kind of you know been in the game a long time and and has measured dynamic output and and that's the beauty of working with track too and i think you know cal has has said that like track is awesome to work with as a strength coach because you get to see a very direct result, you know, Mm -hmm. especially the competition, like all the time. And you can really take, I mean, other than that, you obviously you could do vertical tests and, or other sports do vertical tests, four jump tests, all these things to kind of see. But, um, you know, in my experience, kind of back in the day, I would almost always see like first six weeks of the program, you get back, you're lifting weights, you're doing traditional tempos, maybe some other tempos, and usually see first four, six, maybe eight weeks everything's going up and about that eight week point of the traditional tempos stuff Mm -hmm. just kind of flatlines like and i'd always even if they're still getting a little bit stronger at that point and i i had always kind of pegged it to like you know the the movement is just too muscular in nature there's not enough elastic contribution like you said Mm -hmm. like you're you're from dr Uh, bar and um yeah no that's that's awesome man and so with, with the, the scheme of it then too, so you were going two weeks of the eccentric, two weeks of the oscillating, like Twitch, I, I call them like Twitch, Twitch reps just because my brain is always on Christian Thibodeau's system because I think it's mm-hmm. the same thing, and then two weeks of reactive, uh, was that
0: kind of the, the vibe? Um, I ended up having it, uh, so where we did, the first time around that I did this, we did two weeks of eccentric, two weeks of oscillating. And then we un- ended up unloading, going into that blue and gold meet because we did this at the end of the quarter. And then, at the once, once they're done with the blue and gold meet, we have our exams, and they end up going home for four or five weeks. And so I ended up using 531 for uh, my concentric phase uh, while they're at home. Since they're at home, I can't see them. We've been doing these movements. We get some plus sets in there to kind of build our strength up, um, but this year, um, after we get back from after we get back from winter break, we're gonna go um, two weeks of eccentric, two weeks of oscillating, and then we're gonna go into like like drop squats or quarter drop squats or like a quarter drop split squat, where you kind of just drop into that um, drop into that kind of running position or a high split position. And then a drop to a pop. So you drop and then try to pop back out of that as fast as you can, um, getting more towards our championship kind of phase. Um, And I think that should, I think it's going to do a lot of good things for them. I'm excited to see what happens for it, but it should be interesting. You're listening to the Just Fly Performance Podcast, brought to you by
1: Simply Faster. Yeah, yeah. So let's let's unpack that because I think what you said there, um, I'm still my brain's still kind of like I wouldn't say spinning, but it's like definitely trying to catch up. Like in terms, of, you know, talking about a lot of the quarter stuff and then the five through one, uh, and, and so so this is just my own summary, So eccentric, then um, then the oscillatory, and then after you followed that up with uh, the five three one, like through a, a period of several weeks when they went home.
0: Yeah, um, and that was the that was the first year that we did it. We so we we did eccentric for two weeks. Then we oscillated that uh, those next two weeks. And then they had their blue and gold meet. Because I wanted to like give them something that had a little bit of spring for their blue and gold. Because, I mean, the eccentric, from how I understand it, is supposed to slow you down, take away a little bit of that spring. And so I wanted to kind of play around, use them as guinea pigs, and see how it would feel with that oscillating. And so I threw it in there for those next two weeks. And then they had their blue and gold meet, and people were doing things that... They are not supposed to be doing in December. Um, and then uh, after th- after our blue and gold meet, which is the weekend, which was the Friday before exams, they go into the exam week and then they take five three one and go home with that. Um, and it's kind of a modified five three one, if that because there's four weeks and then an unload week. So it's like five, three, three, one. I just like, all right, we'll do another week of threes and call it an end call it a program uh and so yeah like that's what um they ended up doing they did that uh while they went home to kind of still maintain their strength I know if anything if they if they do what their program says if anything they're going to be back like they left or hopefully with all fingers crossed that they come back better with a little bit more strength um and then that next um when they got back that January we kind of kept with oscillating and and a lot of drops and all those things for that year that we did that um, in hindsight i think for that year we did we ended up having a we ended up having a really good year but i think we could have had a better year had we did a little bit more strength stuff into the winter quarter um, which is kind of what i'll plan on doing this year with our winter quarter is keeping a little bit more of that strength in when our women go indoor, um, and then getting into the oscillating.
1: Gotcha. Um, oh yeah, that's that's awesome. And I, I like um, one of the things that I think about particularly is with the oh, and was that that eccentric phase? Were you were you on the super max or was that just like the sub max uh, eccentric
0: phase? Um, we ended up doing the eccentric phase on. I think it was just like a regular max. Um, Yeah, that was just like a regular. I didn't go a sub or super on that. I just like because it was my first time doing it. And I've tried to find, which I guess I should have read the triphasic book. But at that point in time, I didn't have it. And um, at that point in time, I didn't have the triphasic book. And I was just trying to look all over the place for percentages of what kind of weights they should be doing for their eccentric phase or what kind of what kind of percents and all this stuff? And I couldn't find it anywhere. I'm like looking at all Cal things that I could find to try and find these percentages. I'm like, all right, well, I don't know. I'm just going to figure this out. And I just, I went actually more on probably more on the submax side. I went a little more conservative. And like I know at the, if their last rep of this set, they're going to be taxed. So they got to get out of the bottom uh, on their own. So I'm going to err on the side of caution, go a little bit lighter on the percentage side and go from there. So I ended up I think we ended up doing uh sets of three um sets of three for like eighty percent, eighty to eighty five percent. Um so I know that they would be fine getting out of the bottom. Gotcha. And it worked out well.
1: Oh no uh I one of the things that I think is interesting and um because, and I was just actually the before this episode was released. Uh, I just recently was talking with, um, I did an episode with Cal, uh, and then, uh, Chris Corfist. And that was one of the things that, that between talking with you and then reading Triphasic Training for Football, that I've been thinking about a lot is like, you know, typically things like French contrast or, um, uh, oscillatory reps or, or potentiation clusters is often labeled as, as peaking stuff, you know, just save this for when you're peaking, you know, and obviously you got a great, you know, short term result there with those, those reps. Um, Mm -hmm. but, but one of the things I'm starting to realize, and, you know, Cal was talking about this was you can use that for a lot more than just the end, like, and just how you were kind of saying, and I actually, I mean, shoot, after you told me that, I basically stole your idea. I've been using it with some of my own athletes and (laughs) I've seen some really good results with it. Like, like really good, like some people definitely like PR level, um, achievements, uh, for, for what we're trying to accomplish. And so, no, I like, okay, this is good. And, and I think to myself, I always kind of look at it as like, um, like things along the, I call it like the frictional elastic continuum, uh, mm-hmm. where it's like how much of your movement is driven by muscle contraction and how much is elastic and is it, is the balance right? And cause if you just do regular lifting for years and years and years, and you don't, balance it i mean i guess if if you're not doing too crazy volume and you're getting the right elastic work maybe be fine but like you know taking a break to teach your body to use the elastic properly like every um you know two out of every six weeks two out of every eight uh it probably is different for every athlete too you know but like i just love the idea of doing it more often throughout the year rather than just waiting till the end
0: yeah, and um and I think that's that's something that I've really started to think about. Um and it's one of the things that popped into my head kind of in preparation for this episode is like tendon elasticity is kind of the redhead stepchild of rate of force development. Because um, there everyone thinks about oh, uh, you gotta be so so much strong um use this much power. But how what how how much is that doing for you if the things that are connected are like a loose, like, uh, I like to use a kind of a, um, I like to use the analogy of a miniband, like, you know, the black mini bands the blue ones, the green ones and whatnot. Um, and so if you're a, if you're a, a green miniband kind of person, maybe you need a lot more strength to move this weight or someone's like a black mini band kind of person, they don't have to put as much force because their tendons are pulling it through faster. Um, and so that's one of the things, like, then how can I make more people into black mini band people? And then that, in turn, is going to be able to, to produce a lot more force. Um, and it's I don't know, that's just a thought that kind of popped into my head of, like, someone doing box squats, like, yeah, you have brute strength, but how much better would that be if, like, I don't have to put as much effort getting up out of the box because my tendons are pulling me up and giving me more feedback more on it? Um, so yeah, and, that, and that's kind of how I felt when we um, when we did uh, oscillating in our Olympic lifts, because uh, that's I, at, at that point, and I still actually haven't heard of or seen anyone like use oscillating in their Olympic lifts. Or so with my throwers, because they're a little bit more advanced of lifters, and um, I wanted to just kind of play around with them, use them as guinea pigs, and see what we could do. And we oscillated in clean, jerk, and in snatch. Uh, and what it ended up doing for them was that area where they were oscillating, there said that their speed pulling through those movements, or it, like their speed pulled through the pool of a clean, or their speed out of the bottom of a jerk went through the roof. And it was just like, it just made a lot more sense. Um because their tendons are be able to, to to handle that better. They're transmitting that force better and being able to pull them through this position and carry that momentum up and now it's a whole lot easier to do. Um versus someone doing like pause cleans. Like I, I do a three position clean where we pause at the ground, pause at the knee, and then pause at mid thigh and clean it. And then that's kind of just helping them build the overall like kind of brute strength for those positions and then when we oscillate with training our tendons to 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 transmit that force through that and that's where it's i don't know i think it's something that's just kind of sprung them forward
1: yeah the with with the tendons and the elasticity too and i've i've been thinking about this more just more and more and more is I mean I'm definitely probably one of those I guess you could say black. You're talking about like the big like the widest mini band like the black mini band, right? Or is it the yeah. little one that stretches thinking, a long
0: way? <laughs> I'm thinking about the ones that uh, I think that Power Systems has. Like they come with like the red one, the red one, the green one, the blue one, and the black one. Where the black ones like the the hard the highest tension, the one oh, that okay. kind of put around your legs and do like walks with. Um, I'm talking about those kind of mini bands, and so like the the black mini band has the highest tension. Where the red one, I think, has the least amount, or is it green? Yeah. So- well, I think we. Yeah, we get the
1: <laughs> the. I I could picture it. I am not familiar with them, but based off of what you're saying, I I could definitely get the the idea. And yeah, I I'm definitely been a black mini band athlete, and it's just it's interesting just to see how I've changed over the years as an athlete. I had Achilles issues for like probably like on and off for really about seven years, and that slowly but surely. And then I started spending a lot more time in the weight room as I got, I mean, be, being formerly a high jumper, triple jumper, doing tons mm-hmm. of plyos and bounding and, and all that stuff. Um, just the further I got away from that world because of my Achilles, my lifting and my strength to body weight slowly but surely it would just go down, 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 down. And yeah, it's almost like the, we're, I, I really literally, I think that my body relied very heavily on the fascial and tendinous element to achieve mm-hmm. my lifts when I was at my peak, um, relative strength. Cause I've never been as strong training a powerlifting program. Like I can't, it just doesn't do it for me. Like, and so, yeah. And that's why I, I like this stuff too. You know, oscillating reps are my thing. I love that stuff. And, um, yeah. It, it, on top of that too, like, um, just people who are like a little bit more elastic as well, like track jumpers are the epitome of it, right? Like an elastic athlete, like they would probably, they're, um, I guess biochemistry and motivation is probably really high to do that type of stuff because it's almost more like what they're doing, mm-hmm. you know, versus, I don't I don't know who wouldn't be, I, I don't know, I'm trying to think of a non-elastic, maybe like uh, a skate like skater. Maybe or, a lineman. Yeah, a lineman, yeah, maybe maybe a little bit. Or even that first jump off the line, though, you know, with the lineman, like you are yeah. saying.
0: should definitely be, like, transmitting as much force as you can forward into the yeah. person. Although it's a,
1: it turns from a static start, though, so... No, you're right. Mm. <laughs> but I like uh, what what Cal was saying. Um, like like when you, he uh, he talks about the oscillating reps, he just talks about it gives you so much more exposure at that junction angle that mm-hmm. you're doing, and it does it at a, a rapid pace. Which it's like you know it's time under tension, but it's very specific time under tension. And so and maybe you said this already. And if if you did, I apologize. Um, but what what were the main movements that you were like okay are, that were putting into the oscillatory? uh, system or the, the oscillatory, uh, phase when you, when you went there?
0: Um, in the past we, with my throwers specifically, we did, um, our Olympic lifts, we, we did clean, we jerked and we snatched, we oscillated, uh, for clean and for snatch, we oscillated from the ground, from about the middle of the shin to, uh, right below the knee so your, your, your shin's still vertical and you're kind of bouncing in that area, and then you pull through it. And then on jerk, we oscillated at the bottom of the dip um, and pop through. And then for our power movements, um, not power, well, our power lifting movements, uh, we did it at the bottom of a squat is where we oscillated, um, and that's where things really got interesting. Um, so we oscillated for those two weeks and at the, at the bottom of the squat, Um, and I was going to have them do it on front squat, but I figured they'd hit themselves in the chin with the bouncing. So I was like, we're just not going to do front squat. Um, but we kept it with back squat and we oscillated at the bottom and my athletes went. And so they went home and we came back and I was like, how did, how did you feel after the oscillating phase? Um, and they were like, I felt like lightning coming out of the bottom of my squat. Like it was so fast. But halfway up, I got. That's when you start to feel the weight and you get stuck. And so, um, it kind of taught me or gave me the mindset to think, all right, we're gonna this year we're gonna start doing um, like half oscillating squats or quarter oscillating squats. So we get that speed not only at the we get the speed at the bottom with the regular oscillating squats that we're doing. We're also gonna get it halfway up so we don't get stuck halfway up. And I'm really about a quarter squat is really where the power is generated from for throwers for essentially most all track athletes anyway so oscillating in that in that in that um in that range just makes sense um and so that's something i'm going to start doing this year but that them getting out the bottom so fast and then getting caught halfway up lets me know that they were spending so much time there they got stronger spending time there but not only that, their speed out of the bottoms also must have went up because they got out of it so fast. Their speed went up because of their tendons to able to transmit that force better. And they're saying the same thing about their jerk. Like their dip and their drive and their jerk was just, it was like jerks became like so much easier. Like their PRs jumped up. Um, I was like, all right, cool. So it's just, it's working.
1: Yeah. Uh, what well, so a quick question here. so that so that phase where you know everyone's the people's jump approaches were moving back in and a blocks better, that was after uh, the oscillating phase with uh, deep squat is the squat of choice. the oscillating at the deep range, so like the parallel range.
0: Yeah, that was what I was doing at that time. Um, I haven't done the the quarter squats yet. that's something I'm gonna do this year. Um, but it that's what I was doing at that time. We were just going in the deep squat for the oscillating. Um. yeah, getting parallel, trying to get as close as we can to parallel. Sometimes track athletes don't like to get down there. But yes. it's we try to get them as close as we can and oscillate in that range, about a little three- to four-inch bounce, quick bounce, like boom, 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 and pop out the bottom as quick as you can.
1: Yeah. One of the things I think, you know, and this is where it just gets so – it can get so complicated because, like, you know, the, the range, obviously deep squat, squat range is not the range – that an athlete will be in when they make actual impact with the ground. Mm -hmm. So people would be like, oh, where's the transfer? But like, as you're saying that, I'm thinking to myself, and and this was not part of the the research I was doing for writing my, my book, which by the time this one goes out, my book will be out. Um, But, uh, but it was, uh, I I think about this, it was a Russian study from the mid eighties or no, it was German. I believe it was German. And they did, there was like a lot of really good sprint science that came out of the eighties and nineties. I think people just don't, like look at it, read anymore but it was mm-hmm. basically like talking it showed the EMG of like the glutes let's just say the glutes as um, as the foot was getting ready to strike and if you look at it like basically as soon as the the, the thigh is the knee is coming up in front of the athlete so as mm-hmm. my leg is coming forward swinging in front of me my knee gets in front of me and it's in its peak position like the glutes are really starting to turn on because the glutes have to slow down um, the the and the hamstring obviously too, but the glutes have to slow down that leg coming forward and now start to power it down to hammer down into the ground. And so there's actually a, a hell of a lot of glute activity well before that foot hits the ground. And mm-hmm. so I think to myself, okay, well, and, and and that's why you look at like you look at like the Jay Schrader stuff, and there's a lot of oscillating work in like the Russian lunge, like you're in a split squat, fully stretched out position, doing these oscillating movements at full joint stretch. And I'm like, you know, it's this isn't even about where the foot hits the ground. It's just about the muscle being on full slack, you know, all the slacks out. And now it's oscillating yeah. at full stretch. And I was like, you know what, there's some cool stuff there. And I, I think that's rad.
0: Yeah, and I, it, it, hearing you say that makes me think. Because a lot of the stuff that I did when I started playing with oscillating, I was just trying to see what works. And there are a lot of things that I'm still learning and understanding about what I was doing that would just happen to be right. Um, and so like with you even saying that about them getting their knee up and coming, the, when the glutes are starting to, to activate and they come back down, I mean that's still at the bottom or close to where my athletes were squatting so that they contract their glutes and the tendons are now being able to pull down and be able to put more torque into the ground before their feet get to the ground. Um, so yeah, that makes just a lot more sense with what I was doing. Um, and then then I had some other auxiliary things that I was doing to strengthen up their TFL. Um, I have this one movement uh, called a uh, band foot pops. So I would um, I take a I take a I take a band, put it across our crash bars, and have them kind of lean into lean into the bar as it's sitting on to the rack and get onto their toes. And they would therefore take their they'll take their knee, come up under the band, hold it for about three seconds is what I want them to hold it for up top, or well, two to three seconds. Hold it up top so they're getting all that strength, all in that TfL to get their knees up because that's what a lot of them they're a lot of no, uh, low knee runners and we need to be able to get their knees up to get that force and then we use the we use all the energy that's being stored into the band to slingshot their foot down and then i'm cueing them not to let their heels touch the ground and use that elastic force through their achilles and pop their foot back up into the band to the next rep uh, and that's why i call it band foot pops but i'm using that's one of the things that i did um that i've done to build up their tfl strength and their tendon elasticity and their achilles to pop off the ground and come right back up um and i think that's another one of my things especially for my jumpers um because my first year we didn't i didn't have the jumpers my first two years um and then i got them last year and introduced them to the band foot pops and it's done Done wonders for them, especially getting their last their elasticity levels up.
1: You're listening to the Just Fly Performance Podcast, brought to you by Simply Faster. Yeah, I think uh, you know. I think it's easy to, uh, I think there's some people who would say, you know, you get as many as much hip flexors as you need actually running or whatever. But I've never gone wrong doing hip flexor, some forms of hip flexor training in the weight you're, mm-hmm. You know, I, I think it is easy to maybe miss you know, to not be specific or whatever on some levels, you know, but like, I've never seen it really end badly in in the population of athletes I've worked with. I've seen nothing but good. And I like that you you were the first coach I actually heard who did like explosive TFL work. And I, there was a training session I was doing with uh, one of my mentors at Darien Barr, where he was talking about just how important the job of that muscle is in swing leg action. And I think that it's just I don't know, as an industry, I think it's easy to get hyper carried away with like just very particular muscle groups. Like, you know, we only focus on the glutes and psoas, like as if these are the only two muscles that are that are doing, you know, I mean, they're important, super important. Don't get me wrong. But like, you know, and so and also I'll I'll have to throw the I know you sent me that video in the past. I'll have to throw that up there in the show notes for this episode.
0: Yeah, I think I think working on the T. the reason what even brought me to even think about the TFL is. I called myself trying to get back in shape and doing a and try to do out there and do a track workout, and I was like all right i'm gonna do gonna just gonna go out there and bound and I was bounding, and I'm really good at getting my knees up and getting the spring and pop through and I wake up the next day, and my whole like top of the outside of my thigh is just sore like I've never <laughs> been that sore before in my life, I'm like, what is right there like I uh, get out my anatomy book. I'm like, all right, what's going on here? I'm like, oh, my muscles are My, my TFL is just lit up. Um, as opposed to, because I know a lot of people, like, I get about the psoas. Like, I know that's something you don't necessarily want that tight. Because um, that's where you get a lot of post, you get a lot of uh, anterior pelvic tilt and a lot of those things going on um, with that being tight. But the stronger your TFL is, the less you have to rely on your psoas, if that makes sense. So at least if, if I'm if I'm thinking about it correctly, because uh, 'cause I'm just now processing it through my head some more, of uh, the stronger that is, the easier it's gonna be for you to get your for you to get your, your knee up and drive and great create more force because that's stronger. And so right now we do um, in the fall we do TfL holds where you do the same thing as a band foot pop is you just don't pop the ground, you just come up and then we're gonna add the band foot pops in. we come back in the winter quarter
1: yeah, i i like you know what i like about your stuff sheldon is like i like that you like this is just back to what you were saying earlier is like you lost like either you like lost the triphasic book or you didn't have it or you, you were missing some information and like you had to figure it out yourself you had to experiment and i think that you know it's like today's society where we have i always think about like the the drawbacks of having everything, right? Like, mm-hmm. like, like the drawbacks of always having food available, the drawbacks of always, you know, and stuff we take for granted, but also like information overload too, like, you know, being able to get out any book on Kindle and just go on Instagram. And, and I don't, I don't feel like people just try to create enough, you know, based off not having the whole picture. And I think too when I was an early coach too, like, just kind of, man, even my first season, um, my, my first and second season, like actually coaching sprints as a track coach, um, I had an athlete who, Ended up the first year breaking the school, and she was a beast. I mean, this isn't like Joel's like the greatest coach, but like <laughs> she was a she was a beast. Like let's just I'll just put that out there. But she broke the school record in the the hundred, um, and I think the two hundred as well. But she she really obliterated it in the hundred her first year. I mean, big time. And I was just like just putting stuff together, hoping it was gonna work. Like I didn't have a book I was going off of. Just like just like oh, I think this will good, and now just agonizing over the details too, and and just like. But if, it, but if I would have just copied someone's program or, you know, if this would have been the, the day and age it is today and I would have had so many options to choose from from, like, the world of Instagram, like, I probably would have just I, – I might have just completely confused myself. So uh, bottom line is I, 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 I really respect how you put that all together. I, and then you're trying it out yourself, too. You're know, like, like a dairy bar says you're tasting your own cooking with the TFL stuff. And, and I, I, that's it's, – it's, it's not a lost start, but, like, I always appreciate coaches that are out doing that stuff
0: yeah i'm in, I'm just trying for me I'm just trying to make it make sense as easy as I can without i mean trying to do too much um I think one of the one of the things I took with me when I left duke um our lacrosse team one year our motto was do less when the I think it was our last year when the championship our motto was do less so do your job do it as well as you can and hold everyone else accountable to do theirs and that's my kind of been so my philosophy of, all right, I don't know as much about this, so I'm gonna let I'm gonna let this coach handle that. And I'm just gonna do what I can the best, which is and for me one of my strong points is my creativity, which I love to be creative. And that's how I ended up coming up with some of these with some of these exercises and just being able to to do what I have to do and not overcomplicate it. Just break it down to its simplest form like my tfl was lit up obviously mine was weak there's probably a week too. i probably should build their strength in their tfls and that came apart this is part of what came of it um so yeah
1: yeah man uh so if you had i know you have like thanksgiving break and you get people come back in particular schedules but like you know just looking at like the triphasic system and I've been experimenting with this myself, but you know, if you had like, I don't know, just like 12 weeks in a row to do whatever or eight weeks or, or 10, like in in using the sequencing and now having gone through this a little bit with like eccentric phase, um, oscillatory, you know, uh, isometric phase that's now oscillatory and then the concentric phase or whatnot. Um, you know, are you going through that multiple times throughout the year? Um, what's your, what's your thoughts on like sequencing this throughout the entire year throughout the coming in and peaking and all that
0: um this year um, so i'm looking at my plan right now in front of me uh, when we first got in um i kind of made because i mean i like once i find something that works i figure out why it works and just hammer away at it um so i kind of made uh a, a five three one but kind of like five hypertrophy and volume so i call it, it's just 1086. And so we did that when we first came in to get a little bit more volume and to build strength. Um, then we'd move into the eccentric phase of triphasic. Um, the eccentric phase of triphasic for two weeks. We're gonna this year we actually did do the isometric phase for two weeks, and then we would move into like a five three one. And I kind of call that the the basis of my strength developing triphasic. Um, and then you come back off of that and you go into what I'd call my elasticity developing triphasic, which would be, we'd still do those, the, we still do those, uh, two weeks of eccentric, um, just to build a little bit more of that strength and being able to get more about controlling the weight. And then once we get past that, then we'd oscillate, uh, for another two weeks, then we're going to move into, um, doing more of the drop phase um and then try to do maybe some velocity if i had the equipment and all everything that we needed to do some velocity based training to get to to move past that for the last little chunk and then kind of maybe cycle back around to more of the oscillating then drop and to round out the year
1: yeah that's that's good stuff i yeah, I think like uh, there's a, there's so many ways that that coaches could take it based on their own schedule, their own teams, their own needs. But uh, that's great what you're doing, Sheldon. I really, uh, it's again like if the first time I chatted with you, instantly set off ideas in my head. Lots of things were connected, and yeah, I, I love oscillatory work. I any way I can, uh, it, this the way to strategically put it, and I guess is a little bit of the trick. Uh, mm-hmm. So so one of the last things I wanted to chat about you was, you know. Obviously, I was at Ramsey's uh, conference. I was talking about the foot a little bit, and then you were talking about skateboarding. Uh, no, obviously, the the theme of this show is 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 the oscillatory reps and how to be looking at that with triphasic and kind of cycling that. And uh, but this will be the I don't know maybe the the dessert i guess you could say or chair on top or something Mm. but like i mean the feet are like so so critical and and the more people i talk to the more guests the more coaches i've talked to who've been in this field for a long time and are just really into it digging 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 to try to find everything the foot is huge and so you were talking about how you were a skateboarder and there's a few things that that taught you about the foot in terms of like the, the stance versus the push foot so i was actually just hoping you could share that again with me
0: yeah it um Like, sitting, as I was sitting and listening to you talk, I just, like, that's all I could think about was when I skateboarded or watching skateboarders, like, how they do what they do, and, like, there's so much that's involved with them and their feet from the dexterity of it, I guess, where you're having to flip a board under you so many times. But, like, thinking about what you were talking about, um, about how like an athletic foot and how the toes are a little bit more curled. You can see the tendons that are on top of the toes, like leading back into their feet. Um, and it kind of made me think like I would be intrigued to see what the differences are of a skateboarder with the foot that he pushes with and the foot that stays on the board. Um, and so the foot that they push with all that it does is constantly over and over make contact with the ground. Um, Make contact with the ground, push themselves forward, and they're kind of clawing inside their shoe, like down on the down um, into the ground, and trying to pro- propel themselves forward. Where their stance foot, which is just sitting on the board, it just stays there. Um, and I think that had I think there are a lot of things that can be studied from that that would give you a whole lot of information. Um, when I originally got into strength and conditioning, I wanted to do research and skateboarders or something, it was something that I wanted to focus on. Uh comparing their push leg versus their stance leg, the push glute versus their stance glute. It's that one that's pushing is constantly hitting the ground at a high speed with a a lot of force, where the other one is kind of actually oscillating up and down. Like that glute is just sitting there oscillating up down, up down, up down. Um, and it kind of made me think about when, when I was in high school and I ran track. Um, I did long jump, triple jump, and I ran the one and the two. And I actually did, um, I actually ran the one hundred and the two hundred and like the did the relays. And I never used blocks because I was never taught how to use blocks. Um, but I was the first leg like, for our four by one team, and we went to the state championship and all this stuff. But it kind of made me think about cause the foot that for me, my foot that's forward in the blocks so or whenever I'm down about to start is the same foot that I push with. Um, or I was running down the one at during a meet and I get there and I usually jump off of my right foot, which is my stance foot on my skateboard because it's my stronger leg. It's, it's all it does is just sit there and bounce up and down so it's strong. Um, but I get to the board one day and I'm on my left foot. And I hit the ground. I'm like, all right, I'm there. I'm going to jump. Go ahead. And I jump and I jump over the pit and land on the other side of the sand. I ended up scratching by like six inches or something, Um, but I'm sure that I don't think that could have made a difference in like how far out I jumped. And I accidentally jumped off of that off of my push leg. And as I'm sitting at the table listening to you talk, I'm like, that's probably why I jumped over the pit, because all I do with that leg is hit the ground and go, hit the ground and go, hit the ground and go. And it's interesting to think about the feet and the differences. Like like I'm sure that stance foot just probably just a muscular strong foot with that push leg is just tendons. All tendon elasticity. That Achilles has to be tight is probably just a band and just transmitting all that force all the time. And it's just Oh, it's just one of the things that ran through my head, as you said, or as you were sitting there talking.
1: Yeah, that's. Uh, I'll tell you what, man. Uh, and when you told that to me, I don't know if this was something I was ruminating on later, but I, I forget where I saw this, but it was something to do with like Ashton Eaton and Christian Taylor. So two of the best, most powerful, springy track athletes in the world were are longboarders, or they like doing the longboard, mm. like. And so I'm thinking, now I'm like, all right, well, which which foot did Christian push off of? I want to ask him, like, and you kind of look at that, how the phases play out. But like, And, and it is so cool, too, how a lot of people, you know, one foot does give and the other one takes or, like, there's always an interplay between one foot to the other. Mm-hmm. And so which foot is your hyper arch foot and which foot is your stance, more of a stance rolling foot? And for me, it's like my high jump takeoff foot is the one that the toes are curled and my right one's the one where the toes aren't curled. And... It just it's crazy how it adapts over time, you know and and part of me was like, well, maybe I should get my right one to be like my left one because that's why I have Achilles problems. like that's probably some crap I was saying about a year ago when I was speaking at seminars that I really didn't know better. Uh, <laughs> sure. So people who were at my sem- who, who heard me talk, but like I've realized now it's it's all about more the foot sensation, the rear foot and uh, that's that's what's helped me actually eliminate a lot of stuff. but uh, anyways, uh, no, I, I think that's awesome. I think you know what's funny? It's like maybe there'll be like skateboards. You'll see it in like the weight room or on tracks. Like you're going to start see athletes skateboarding around and like – I think there's something to it. I think that's great that anecdote of yours. That's really
0: cool it's, stuff. It's definitely a thought that I've that – it's a thought that I've had and it makes – for me it makes sense being a skateboarder and seeing what benefits of it could come like if – like if you're out on the track and you see people just doing pushes, it's it's essentially like your push leg is how you're cycling. Like for a triple jumper, they're just cycling. But now you can cycle over and over and not actually get a whole lot of – like like I'm sure it's a lot of pounding to do it on under your own body weight. But to be able to have a skateboard under you where you're just rolling and you're not taking that much force, but you're able to put that much more force – into to the ground probably save your joints. Because so I know how hard triple jump is on the body. And being able to just skateboard and, like, you're going to give me 10 pushes on your left leg, give me 10 pushes on your right, get out there, try to get as much power and speed. We're going for speed. Get up there and go. Um, I think it would be a great tool to use. Now getting track coaches to buy into that mm-hmm. would, be, would be very tough. Like, you should get your guys skateboards. <laughs> um, but I highly doubt that would happen. Well, I mean I think it's it's a thought. I think if I was a if I was like a high school track coach somewhere and I had triple jumpers, I'm like, all right, we're gonna I'm gonna throw something at you, we're gonna see how I respond to it and how we do and maybe I'm onto something, maybe I'm not. Yeah. And we'll see.
1: No, it's actually don't you know, my my two-year-old daughter was just um, she just got a new uh, scooter for Christmas. She her old one broke, and we just got her a new one, and and she was going around. She loves that thing, and just like she loves, she hates her shoes too. She she actually mm-hmm. makes me proud because she always takes off her shoes at the playground other yeah. kids are in there. But I, I need to start paying attention to what foot she pushes with, and just kind of see if, if that changes anything with her her feet and stuff. But. No, it's it's powerful, man. Like it's almost like every because I think you know there's good research that would indicate that assisted jumping, and I know uh, Nelio Moura, the Brazilian jumps coach, I think, I believe did a lot of that type of work, uh, and and uh, and so it it works. I mean, assisted jumping works, and it's almost like if you're longboarding or skateboarding or whatever, you have a ton of like you said the the foot that pushes doesn't have as much force. Like it's more of a speed, right? Like yeah, and so it's like thousands and thousands of over speed depending on how much you did or where you go it's like thousands of overspeed little hits and to that exactly. foot specifically yeah and it's going to adapt the foot's going to morph you know like Ji says
0: and i mean thinking about ground contact time and how quick your foot gets off of the ground when you're skateboarding versus especially depending on just the speed that you're getting but you're not putting that much of your body weight on so you're able to actually i feel like you're able to produce a lot more elasticity because you're getting your ground you're getting your foot back on the ground with a great amount of force in that shorter amount of time, which is gonna help you build that elasticity up more. Versus I mean, I know I've obviously um, obviously going doing hill sprints or running uphill or even like running on the track and trying to but you're still gonna be on the ground a little bit more longer. Um, yeah, it was being able to, and not only that, but not even with just the foot or the Achilles, but everything, all the way up the chain. When that foot strikes the ground with that speed, like I'm getting, I'm getting power, I'm getting elasticity and power development in my upper hamstring, uh, my glutes and upper hamstring, and all of those things that kind of generate the horsepower and torque in your body when you run. It, for me it just makes sense like all right we're gonna go do we're gonna do so many sets uh even out the right and the left and think about if you're a triple jumper and your your legs are even with elasticity or your legs are even with the amount of strength and force that you can produce of how much further like oh, i got everyone kind of has their strong leg and their their weak leg think about if you can get those a little bit and those are just kind of some of the some of the things that I think about, when I, especially when I look at skateboarders, um, and I was sitting in your meeting, I was like, man, that would make sense. But getting someone to buy in, getting a, getting a high-level track coach to be like, hey, I'm get you guys a skateboard. Let's roll around and see how they go.
1: Yeah. And it just takes one person to screw it up for everybody, too. Like oh, yeah. <laughs> That's what I've learned in anything fun that I've ever tried to do, is it's awesome until someone like is out for a week because something stupid happens.
0: Yeah, you hit a rock and it will bite. Is not fun. You hit a rock and next thing you know, they're on the ground face first and face is scratched up. All right, there goes that. So, <laughs> Yeah, well, the principle. Someone's going to
1: find a way to at least get the principle down into training, but Hey man, uh, that's awesome, Sheldon. I, I think that's all the time we got for questions today. But man, it was it was good reconnecting, and and thanks for giving us some insight in your system, your and your creative thought process. And uh, keep up the good work at uh, UC Davis, man.
0: All right, thank you. I appreciate it. Appreciate you having me on. This is definitely a cool opportunity, my first podcast to be on. I feel so honored. <laughs>
1: All right, thanks for tuning in for another episode. I hope you enjoyed that one as much as I did. And I, I do think that oscillatory addition to the triphasic system is a really cool one. And again, we as a field need to just be thinking more and more about that elastic aspect and the impulse aspect if you listen to any of Darian Barr's work. Speaking of which, he's our guest next week. So And it's gonna be an awesome episode on impulse. It's gonna be a huge one-two punch. So listen to this one, listen to that one. And uh, man, it's just this this stuff is constantly helping me retune and refine my own system. So props to Sheldon. Um, anyways, uh, if you enjoy the show, please leave us a rating or review on iTunes, Stitcher, whatever you're listening to. Also, visit our sponsor, Simply Faster, great blog, source of information and your one stop tech shop for anything timing and data collection related, as well as other things like muscle stimulators. But they, they got it all. Kbox, Freelap, Gym Aware, Force Plates and a whole lot more. So, again, we'll uh, see you guys next week with another great guest. Have a good one.